Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from TalkSport. I'm John Norman, alongside Jared Kimber as we look back at the third and final ODI between England and Australia at Old Trafford. Plenty to talk about today. You're listening to the following on podcast. Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from TalkSport. I'm John Norman, alongside Jared Kimber as we look back at the third and final ODI between England and Australia at Old Trafford. Plenty to talk about today. You're listening to the following on podcast. Story of the day. Well, Jared, story of the day is uh, that was a, a pretty impressive series of cricket between two teams that you could argue were without their best players, um, but are very evenly matched and brilliance by Glenn Maxwell. I thought Alex Carey, um, it's not often a player scores 100 and is left so much in the shade by the opposite uh, batsman. I thought Maxwell was just phenomenal today. Um, and, you know, he's a player that's got he's got a lot of backers, hasn't he? There's a lot of people who feel he's been a little bit hard done by over the years. And, uh, you know, even though it was painful to watch at times, you cannot feel anything but admiration to his stroke play, his game, the power, his methods... Um, he's such an incredibly dangerous player, and as long as he's at the crease as an op- as, as someone who's supporting the opposition, you never quite believe that your team are home until he's gone. So, as a Victorian, I've watched him since he used to play. He used to bat at number eight for Victoria and not bowl. Uh, we used to joke that he was a uh, fielder. He was picked for his fielding, which, to be fair, if anyone's going to be picked for his fielding, he's certainly going to be. He had this incredible ability to make big scores generally when Victoria needed them, very low, you know, batting at seven or eight. I think he made 100, might have made 90 out of 150 or something in one game, batting at number eight in a first-class game. He's got this, he has this gear on certain pitches that other batsmen can't find because he doesn't bat like other batsmen. 
you know, he, he there's almost a bit of Brendan McCullum about him. And in chases like this, he sometimes just switches on and that's kind of the end of the game. He scores at such a rate. And he's also, there's a lot of KP about him as well in that there's a lot of game theory about what he does. He basically goes, okay, that's the, that's the small boundary. This is how I'm going to get to that boundary. They know I'm going to do this, but I'm going to back that they're going to flinch before I do. And that's essentially what he did today. He just went, I'm going to face enough balls from this end to hit enough sixes to get us to the run rate that we need. Whereas I think another batsman would have panicked a little bit more. But, you know, it, the problem with Maxwell is it's, it's so rare. And that was his second ODI 100. How can you be that talented and only have two ODI 100s? And a lot of it is there's, there's, he's been treated terribly. He doesn't fit. Uh, the, the sort of uh, Australian template of what a player is supposed to be like. He's, a, he's an interesting guy um, and he marches to his own beat. And I think that's been to his detriment, even though it's probably helped him as a player. But having seen him play since he first started, he's always been like this. He just, you know, it just doesn't always come out. That's the kind of talent he is. In another day, we could have been looking back at two series wins for Australia. Um but we could be looking back at two series wins for England as well. This was this was a really crazy game, you know. Um, you know, even in that England fifty overs, they lost those two wickets early, and then were just scoring runs for fun. Uh, and then it was a bit of a surprise when Morgan went, Butler went soon after, and um, and then it, whilst it didn't look comfortable, you know, the the way the the game seesaw back the way of England. Um, Again, within 50 over gameplay, you don't often see see such differences. And at the end of the 50 overs, I couldn't work out what kind of pitch it was. I couldn't work out whether Australia were going to chase it easily, whether England were going to win easily, whether the it, the, the spinners were going to essentially hold the key, um, or whether Australia would just be blown away. It was almost impossible. And actually, I was right not to know because nobody actually saw what ended up happening. No, it's a very bizarre game. I realistically... We talked about this after the first win. Australia is a very flawed team and a lot of things have to go right. I mean, they got England, you know, part of their part of them winning one day is, is their bowlers taking early wickets. They did that and they still went for over 300, which is phenomenal. And that was with a good effort from um, Zampa as well. So it wasn't like they stopped bowling after that point, although Hazelwood and Cummins were very disappointing, um, although that's going to happen at times. But then, you know, with the, with the batting, they just didn't look up to it. And realistically, <laughs> Joffre got Carey and Maxwell should have been out. And there was also, you know, a bit like Ben Stokes at Heading League, you know, um, last year. There's a lot of uh, boundary catches that weren't far away from being catches as well. Sometimes things just go with you. It's a, it a phenomenal um, partnership. But we also know that there's no, there was no other way for them to win that game. That ridiculous partnership was the only way Australia were going to be able to win that game because they had nothing to come afterwards. Uh, you know, Cummins and Stark weren't going to be able to get them over, you know, 60 or 70 runs uh, in a partnership. It had to be all from that one partnership. And luckily for Australia, it lasted long and enough. what do you make of the series as a whole? What do you make of the relative strengths of these two sides? Are they as, as, are they as evenly matched? It was such a, a, you know, England have played a lot of cricket over the last two months or so. Um, and Australia played no cricket over the last two months or so. Australia without Steve Smith, there's a weird story in itself. He passes two concussion tests, he's not concussed, and then he misses all three games. And of course, England are without Ben Stokes. So it's um, there's there's a lot to dissect about an ODI series, and you don't often have you don't often get to say that. Mm. I I think Australia. Wow, well, I don't think Steve Smith makes them a better team. 
I think he probably would have won them the second game. But in general, I don't think he makes them a, a better team in one-day cricket. Uh, incredible test match player, an interesting T20 player, but one-day cricket, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think he plays a very old-fashioned style. But uh, Ben Stokes being out for England obviously is a problem, but that's a near full-strength England side. Uh, Moen Ali's being dropped in the middle of it, which they could afford to do. And uh, I think they'll be disappointed. I think they're the better team than Australia. Uh, Australia Australia has to gamble so much to win one-day games. We saw that in the World Cup. Like, literally, Stark has to come off at least once or sometimes twice in an innings for them to win. And then they have to make, essentially, all of their runs in their top seven. Which in, a fifth, which in the way that, if you're playing against England or India and these teams who regularly make over 300, that's really tough to make all your runs in your top seven. So, to be fair to Australia, it, ca- it came off twice. Uh, I'm not, not sure that I would back them in a, in a seven-match series to beat England, but, you know, sometimes these are, these are how things happen. But realistically, it made it all the more exciting. Australia are a very exciting one-day team because of how flawed they are, and England are a very exciting one-day team because of how great they are. Moment of the day. Well, for much of the match, I would have said moment of the day was Jofra Archer getting Alex Carey caught from a no ball. But I think moment of the day was a decision by Owen Morgan to throw Adil Rashid the ball for that final over. Tom Curran was warming up. I think he was expecting to bowl the over. I think the decision was possibly made uh, late. It was a hunch call. Now, Owen Morgan has been rightly praised for a lot of his hunch calls over the uh, the last uh, couple of years. We don't know what would have happened if he'd thrown the ball to Mark Wood, who took, by the way, an unbelievable catch um, prior to that. Uh, we don't know what would have happened if Tom Curran had taken the ball. But Adil Rashid, well, his four deliveries, well, after the first delivery, the game was over. It was uh, pummeled for six, and that was that was pretty much it. As an analyst, I don't think that was that big an error. And I don't think that Nathan Lehman and, uh, you know, the coaching staff and um, Owen Morgan are going to sit back and think that that was the worst decision they ever made. I think that he'd just taken uh, Glenn Maxwell. I think they knew that one more wicket, I think, would have won them the game. I don't think Pat Cummins would have been... The way that Pat Cummins has been playing Adel Rashid, I just don't think he would have been able to get the 10 runs off that over. I don't think Zampa or Hazelwood would have been any help. All realistically... Adol Rashid had to do was bowl the wrong and outside off stump. Mitchell Stark has one shot. I've been hearing for years how Mitchell Stark is an all-rounder. I have seen Mitchell Stark bat in all formats all around the world from junior cricket all the way through to here. He has one shot and he hits it over wide mid on, get the ball wide outside his off stump, spin the ball away from him. And chances are he would have missed it or hit it straight up in the air or even potentially run past it. It's a, he got the ball wrong and it went for six. And it, was, it wasn't a great over. But realistically, um, Curran could have done a very similar thing. You know, th- th- this is, you know, bowling that last over is, it, it is a gamble in itself. And I've talked to a lot of bowlers who've done it over the years. There's no right way of doing it. Uh, you could, you can, sometimes you can use the seam up and the seam it can be brilliant and you get an inside edge and an outside edge and that's, that game is over just the same. So uh, I'm not going to judge Morgan too harshly for that. I think that it was probably worth the gamble. I think Australia were... In the, with, with two guys who can hit sixes, especially off-seam bowlers in Stark and Cummins, I think you know that was that was a gamble worth taking. Yeah, I, no, it, it didn't, didn't work, work. I, and I, I disagree <laughs> because you know we've seen Tom Curran in that exact position defend a game. Um, he's done it before, 
So, but but we just don't know, do we? This is an absolutely wonderful thing about cricket, and uh, and you know, I mean, Morgan has to make these decisions, they, and they cannot all come off. But I I found it yeah, really and, strange. And there's no way that Owen Morgan, yeah, there's no way Owen Morgan would have said bowl the ball into his hitting zone. No. No, but it, you know that's why you, <laughs> you, know, you you throw the ball to a guy that is, you know has actually done it before. That's also fair. Uh, look, I, I think Adil Rashid. I've done the T Twenty stats on this over the years. I saw a lot of people saying he's not a good death bowler in T Twenty cricket and limited overs cricket. Uh, that's not what I've seen. I think he's a very good death bowler. Um, he just bowled the wrong ball to the wrong batsman, and to be honest, that that's all his error. He did, he didn't need to do that. Well, maybe he didn't mean to do that. Because he's a leg spinner and these things happen. <laughs> shot of the day. Well, that's Chris Wokes uh, playing a shot with his eyes closed, flipping the ball over his right shoulder. Uh, it's ridiculous. I remember when, you remember when Carlos Brathwaite did all that stuff against Ben Stokes? And quite rightfully, everyone obsessed over the sixes at the end. I always go back to that shot that Brathwaite played early on when uh, Chris Jordan was bowling really good Yorkers to him and he got down and lapped the ball over his shoulder. It was a proper lap sweep in, in his case. And I thought, if we've got a six foot seven bowling all-rounder from the West Indies who can play that shot, where is batting mm. going to go? And then you see Wokes play a shot like he did today where he's, by the time he hit the ball, his head was in a completely different position. I don't know whether to say it was the luckiest shot on earth or he set himself up brilliantly and then moved his head because he didn't want to kill himself. Um, you know, I, I, I honestly don't know. But the fact that guys who are batting six, seven, eight, nine can play those shots, uh, wh- where the hell will batting go? Um, I mean, you're right, of course, but Glenn Maxwell, some of that power hitting to Adil Rashid, you knew, as you mentioned earlier, everybody knew what he was wanting to do and he did it anyway. Um, they showed a replay of Aaron Finch. I'm sure you saw it smashing the uh, the, <laughs> the glass at uh, the point, at kind of letterbox uh, looking uh, uh, building at Old Trafford. And Maxwell came close. That was from a full toss. Aaron Finch. The ball did bounce before Maxwell did it. It wasn't quite as high on the glass, but you know they, they, these batsmen these days—they're not just—I uh, mean—they're not clearing the boundary, are they? Some of the cars—it's like club cricket. Uh, some of the cars are in danger today. So uh, I thought some of that was absolutely ridiculously amazing. Um, and uh, just just a quick one on Johnny Bairstow. Yeah, for, yeah, for six to, to, to reach 100. I know to it's reach a short boundary. And him and, yeah. Yeah, him and Maxwell certainly milked the short boundary and, uh, as did Carey. But that was just, that was ridiculous. I've seen that shot in club cricket. It's not a shot you see a lot in international cricket. Ball of the day. Joe Roots, um, he would never, ever take a wicket like this again. There's a little bit of Shane Watson about Mitchell Marsh at times, physicality-wise, um, if not anything else. But the way that, uh, yeah, Joe Root took that wicket, essentially it was just a... enough. Actually, no, David Warner, that was a that was a, a, another moment, lull or ball of the day. But, uh, yeah, just the way that uh, somehow Mitchell Marsh managed to inside-edge the ball onto the top of his pad and it looped up and over and so slowly that it allowed Butler, who was actually <laughs> running forward, to realise um, and then turn around and catch it uh, whilst running back. That was a, that was a ball of the day. But, um, yeah, the David Warner dismissal as well. It reminded me a bit of the way that uh, Ben Duckett was trying to play Shakib al-Hassan in, uh, in Bangladesh. But <laughs> Joe Root is not Shakib al-Hassan. Anodyne press conference moment of the day. Of the day, well, I mean that David Warner dismissal. 
Will we ever see? Will we ever see fun. David Warner play in England again? It's fun. Well, you know, he'll play in the hundred, won't he? Well, will he? Would you? Would you put a lot of <laughs> will, money on him? Will that even happen? Would you put money on him? Yeah, I remember talking to one of the hundred teams about um, selecting him, and uh, they were they were all keen. Uh, that was uh, before last summer. <laughs> uh, things may have changed since then. I'm I'm not sure. Um, and my lull of the day was watching Manus Labuschagne on the bench, uh, well on on the on the balcony while Australia were chasing. He uh, he's idiosyncratic even when watching cricket, and it was uh, it was an absolute spectacle watching the the many times that he changed position without ever actually moving. Uh, you know, he is a uh, he's an odd duck. What is going to happen tomorrow? So that's the end of uh, international cricket for a couple of months. But you know what? We are going to see uh, Roy Court Maxwell bowl Stark again. We're going to see Bearstow bowl, bowl Cummins. We're not going to see Root LBW Stark. Probably won't see Morgan Court Stark bowl Zampa. Uh, Butler Court Finch bowl Zampa. That could happen. I mean, these guys are going straight to the uh, IPL. And, um, I mean, some of these, team, these teams are going to be, uh, these players are going to, actually going to be playing alongside each other. We don't, there's no international match to look forward to. There's no point uh, wondering about ODI cricket in about four months' time. But what are your thoughts about the series as a whole? It's one, it feels quite kind of pointless playing one day is in a bubble at this point with the World Cup so far away. Um, you would have thought that both teams, it would have been better if they'd put on some subcontinental wickets and got some practice for the World T20, if it ever goes ahead in India. Um, so it, it's kind of weird. It feels like a, a missed opportunity for both teams, realistically. But I think they'll learn, I think Australia certainly learned some things. England have thrown a few different players at a few different situations. It, even the whole Adol Rashid thing that will, you know, bowling that last over they'll get a better idea whether he can handle it in future. So uh, I, I think they've had a bit of a look. But realistically, the way that the calendar works now, you do have to look at it and just go, why would you be playing one day as right now? <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. This should be T20. So there's my, there's my look at the series in a whole. But it, it was fun. It was Wasn't fun. Wasn't it fun? It can be fun and pointless. Like, you know, an episode uh, of Pointless. No, I've never, never seen, seen it. Now... Australia played New Zealand at the start of the year, March. It was the last game, I think, that was played before uh, everything was called off. And they played in front of no fans at the SCG. And I listened to it on the radio in New Zealand. And uh, maybe it was because Australia won comfortably. It was a bit of a rubbish match. But I came away from it thinking that should never, ever happen again. But one thing that I have felt from watching a lot of cricket this summer is that, of course, spectators are important. But you can still get invested in the cricket even when there's uh, there's nobody in the stands and you know we've seen a lot of cricket and we've also been really fortunate as people who you know this is our job um we have been really fortunate to get all of the cricket in over the last two and a half months that's mm. for sure but now we turn our attention to the IPL and that is the crazy thing with cricket isn't it you know no sooner is this done I mean, what day is it today? It's it's Wednesday, and the IPL gets underway on Saturday, and then for the that's it for two months. The women's Mm. as well. It's the it's it's women's internationals, isn't it? Which is a hastily put together series again, uh, tacked on right at the end of of September. There's just going to be a lot of really cold West Indian (laughs) women uh, playing in front of no crowds, Um, and uh, and the IPL on. It's uh, yeah, it's the whole thing is very bizarre. I mean, you only have to look at 
you know, South African cricket seems to be dissolving yeah. as a as, as a cricket board at the moment. England is supposed to be going out there. You and I are supposed – we're not supposed to be going to India. Now. Uh, no, we're supposed <laughs> yeah. to already be in India, aren't we, uh, for that tour? Uh, by the way, boss, when am I – uh, if you could tell me when I'm uh, going to pack <laughs> my bags for that series, if it ever happens, that would be quite handy. Uh, but yeah, the whole thing is uh, just so utterly bizarre. And uh, this, the summer was bizarre. It, it's always going to be remembered that way. Um, it's, I think it's my first summer of uh, being in England and not going to an international cricket game. So it's uh, certainly quite different yeah, for me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, Jared, it's been brilliant. Uh, we'll be reunited. We're going to be doing some uh, some cricket collective shows. No doubt we're talking about the IPL a lot. And uh, yeah, uh, hopefully uh, we'll be in India as well. But uh, Thanks for your time over the summer and thanks for listening to the following on podcast, which will continue um, for the foreseeable. Uh, you can uh, listen to us on Acast, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. But thanks for uh, being part and parcel of the journey over the last uh, couple of months. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 